Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 277. We've got a really fun show lined up for you this week. In our warm-up segment, we've got our City of the Week, Player of the Week, Equipment Tip of the Week, have an interesting Did You Know, a fun listener question, Cage's Power Play, and our DR3 Fast Pitch Pitching question. In our leadoff segment this week, we've got an interview with Wayne Ritchie, and he's going to tell us all about the American Collegiate League. Um, it's a summer version of softball for the college players that are currently playing to keep the, their game going. We have a, a, a fun discussion with him. In our cleanup topic, we're going to talk about something that I wanted just to bring to everybody's attention that maybe you know, us old coaches are so out of touch, we just don't really get it anymore. But a discussion I had with one of the players I work with and her impression of team building activities and some stuff that uh, kind of came out of that discussion that I just think is interesting and an interesting Be topic fun. for us yeah. to get into. And then our action coach coaching tip of the week, we're going to talk about the idea of base running and how some of us fall into the trap with really young players of having an offense that's built all around running the bases like crazy people, and that craziness doesn't work out so good when the players get a little bit older and the defenses get a little bit better. So, speed, 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 right? Well, and, and a little bit uh, <laughs> of common sense to go along with it. Before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus nine rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website, and order your bats, use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. And again, please make sure you take advantage of that EFP20 discount. We want you to save that additional 20% and help support the podcast at the same time. Anderson's already very affordable, high quality, best of the best. Uh, to save that additional 20% is a no-brainer in my book. And also, we want to talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. If you're in a position where you can help support us, we definitely need more people to become patrons. We're talking about $5, 10 or $20 a month. If you're in a position where you can help us, if you can uh, come on board and, and become a patron, it would be a big, big deal for us. Uh, we're so close to being in a break-even situation now. We just need a couple of more people to come on board, and this podcast could live forever, and we definitely want to be able to keep doing it into the future. So again, patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. If you see value in what we're doing, please become a patron. So our warm-up segment is sponsored by Bidinger and Styles DDS. They're located in Webster, Mass. They are longtime supporters of this podcast. If you have any dental needs at all, uh, make sure you contact the folks at Bidinger and Styles. Let them know that you heard about their uh, practice from the podcast, and uh, they'll take really good care of you. And uh, again, it's a great way for us to support somebody that's been supporting this podcast for a very long time. So Don, our city of the week, place that we're both pretty familiar with, Nashville, Tennessee. That's fantastic. There has been tons and tons of very good softball up there in Nashville and really all of Tennessee, Tori, right? Yeah, no, Tennessee's a softball hotbed. The city of Nashville has had tremendous success over the course of my coaching career. It was an area that we recruited very, very heavily. Um, and obviously there's a lot of great teams, a lot of great schools that are also playing softball up there. One of the things that a lot of people don't uh, really, uh, I think, understand or, or, or realize about the city of Nashville 
is that there's a handful of colleges that are all playing softball right there in the greater Nashville area. And of course, the one that probably absolutely should have softball is the one that doesn't. Vanderbilt still is... (laughs) Dragging their uh, feet a little bit. I believe the only school in the SEC that uh, doesn't have softball, and for any of our Vandy friends that are listening... Get them going. Yeah, the excuse that I kept hearing was that they don't have any place to put a stadium. And huh. I've been on that campus a bunch of times. When Terry was in the hospital up there, I had an opportunity to walk that campus you know, from end to end. And what I can tell you is they've got five or six gigantic intramural fields that I never saw anybody intramuraling on. <laughs> they were vacant, right? That didn't have anything going on. So sure. if you tell me that we couldn't turn one of those areas, areas into a softball stadium, I think um, I'm going to call shenanigans on that. So, uh, But Nashville, obviously, a softball hotbed. You've got... Uh, Lipscomb, Belmont, Tennessee State, Fisk, Trevecca, Nazarene, right, all right there in Nashville, all play softball. And then just down the road, you've got Middle Tennessee, Tennessee Tech, Austin P. all within an hour, hour and a half of Nashville. So you've got a whole lot of college softball being played in the greater Nashville area. And as you're going to hear in our interview a little bit later on, you also have some summer league softball going on in Nashville. And uh, it's, it's a very exciting cool. thing. Yeah. So, Congratulations to Nashville. Um, I want to say thank you to all of you that have uh, spread the word, gotten more people to come on board and listen to the podcast. We ask you every week, find somebody that's in your circle of softball friends that is not listening yet, get them turned on to the podcast, because I'm confident that if they listen once, they're going to come back and listen again, and we definitely want to see the numbers continue to grow. Tony, it's kind of cool, too, when everybody on your team has heard what we're talking about, because then everyone's familiar, and you've got things in common that you can work on in your game. And and we are certainly excited to see yeah. the numbers jump in, in, in Nashville and hope that uh, they'll continue to grow in, in many, many places. So congratulations, Nashville. You're the city of the week. also want to say congratulations to our player of the week. Our player of the week this week is Lainey Wolf. Laney came through in a big situation for her team. Um, they were uh, playing in a big tournament a couple of weeks ago, really shorthanded, had a couple of injuries, a lot of uh, players playing through injuries and trying to fight their way through the weekend. And she just stepped up really big and helped her team win the uh, 14 and under state championship. She just had a great weekend, uh, only walked a couple of kids in eight games, threw a ton of strikes, made good things happen, and uh, ended up uh, really being a major player on her team's success in that state tournament. And her coach Ryan wanted to also talk about the fact that she's a, a great pitcher, just a really good all-around kid, you know, somebody that works really hard, that loves the game, and you know, great student, all the stuff that we talk about uh, a lot of those times. So it's, it's important to, to their team that, uh, that she shows, leads by example, and obviously then leads on the field with her performance. It's kind of that time of year, Tori, when uh, everybody is banged up and tired and wore out and all that stuff, when Laney steps up or anyone you know, like her does that need to recognize them. Right. So. And to kind of put her into perspective, she wanted to make sure uh, that uh, we uh, said that she couldn't have done what she did that weekend without her uh, catcher Delaney Davis also doing an amazing job for her. So, you know, to have a player that's uh, being nominated to also make sure that uh, she shares accolades and, and lets everybody know that uh, she wasn't uh, the only person involved uh, says a lot about her. So um, good job. Yeah. So we want to say uh, congratulations to Laney Wolf. You are the fast pitch prep player of the week. Folks, we need uh, nominations again. The stack has gotten pretty short. So all of you know somebody in your life that you have a player that you know that's worthy of nomination. It's a very simple process. You send us an email to either everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Either one of those email addresses will work. A couple of sentences about why you want that player to be recognized. And one of the most exciting things to me, one of the most enjoyable things, 
is knowing that we're getting to share the successes of players from all over the country with our listeners. And we want to be able to share that success of somebody in your life too. So um, I, I've said this many, many times in the past. Each of you know somebody. Yeah, right? and, and yeah. we have thousands of people that listen. Yeah. So for us not to get dozens of nominations every week is really kind of aggravating. It's back on them, right, yeah, the so listeners? I think what happens to, sometimes is is you talk yourself into thinking that your player's not that special. It wasn't that big a deal. Well, you just send in the nomination, and we'll figure out if we think it's it's special or not. But we definitely want more nominations. We're heading into the uh, school ball season here in Georgia and obviously the uh, fall season, the travel ball fall season, every place else. And so the tail end um, of nationals. Yeah. For and so, uh, yep. but there's plenty of stuff. And, yep. and again, it doesn't have to be a situation like Laney dominating on the field for a weekend. If it's somebody that's killing it in the classroom, doing a great job in the community, doing something extra special, special that we within talk the about, team. Yeah. Yep. We want, we want to know. So send those nominations again, everything fast pitch at gmail.com or fast pitch prep at gmail.com. So Don, our equipment tip of the week, let's continue our discussion of the Square Cuts training discs. We had worked with them here in the cages, and I had expressed with one of the coaches the concept of you know, how they can be used for multi-purpose drills and things in, in practice, and they were super excited to hear that they could actually use them as part of their warm-ups to see 12 to 6 on their throw or, or just to give the kids feedback yeah. immediately on what type of spin they're getting with the arm action with the you know, arm slot that they might be in when they're just warming up. So uh, they're super versatile, super durable, um, very affordable, great on the expensive bats that we're all swinging now, and just a product that everybody needs to get a set, at least a set, and right. you'll probably end up ordering multiple. Yeah, so they're very easy to get. They're forty nine ninety five a dozen. You go to our fastpitchprep.com website, click on the order button, we'll get them boxed up and shipped out to you right away. Uh, the stack is getting smaller and smaller. We've... Uh, like to make sure that everybody who wants a set gets them um, so that uh, we don't run into any supply chain issues or anything like that here in the future. But it's, again, it's a very versatile tool. We created it as a hitting tool, but obviously a lot of our customers are way smarter than us because they're using it for just about everything you can imagine. If you go to the YouTube channel on our website, again, fastpitchprep.com, there's a couple of short little videos that are uh, meant to give you a quick little tutorial on how to use the discs for hitting. But uh, once you see them, uh, they're same uh, weight and diameter as a softball, and they give you a lot of feedback, something that's a real no-brainer in my book to add to your tools uh, for home training and for team team practice. Tori, we had a group the other day that said they were using them for targets on the field for bunting practice. People were trying to bunt to first or third base, and they could see if they could get them between them. And you know, once you see the discs, you'll understand how they actually work, but laying them out there on the field as targets as well was kind of a fun yep. little I've, side I've, thing. Yeah. I've used them for that too, to yeah. help players picture contact point, you know, how the old school method was, you know, put a ball on the ground and it's only happened a couple of times. The in ball my life, rolls but, away yeah, eventually, the, right? Or somebody spikes the ball right down on top of the ball and they both come flying yeah. back at them and things like that. So and the good news is laying that, down nicely. Yeah, it it yeah. gives you a, a, a good visual reference. But again, the square cuts training disc, Forty nine ninety five a dozen. Go to the fastpitchprep.com website and get them ordered. So, Don, did you know something we've talked about in the past, but I just thought it was worth uh, throwing back out there now because we are definitely at the uh, hot and heavy recruiting season now for players that are in that point of, the, yeah. of their careers. Something that's, I guess, the harsh reality of players uh, dreaming of playing in college softball, that the current numbers are 5.6% of high school softball players will play in the NCAA at any of the three levels. So a Division One, Division Two, or Division Three, 
5.6% of all high school players. Six out of 100? Yep. That doesn't sound like very many, Tori. That's like a special thing to get to do, right? It's a very special thing. Part of the thing that I always try to make sure that people understand, I understand that not every high school softball player is trying to play in college. So it does skew the numbers a little bit. But we also want to make sure that nobody's under the uh, faulty impression. Once upon a time, people used to say and really believe that if you wanted to play in college, there was a place for you. And the reality of it is now that that's not true. There are not enough spots lot less for true. all the kids yeah. that want to play. Yeah. So players that are interested in uh, securing one of those spots have got to make sure that they're working really hard. So of that 5.6%, 1.8% play in Division One, 1.7% play in Division Two and 2.4% play in Division Three. So even the biggest percentage of that 5% are playing at the Division Three level where they're playing just for the love almost, of the game. Almost half. Yeah. Yeah. Try to keep that all in perspective as, as you're pursuing this dream of playing in college. It's still a worthwhile dream. It's still something that every player who wants to play should be chasing like crazy, but make sure you're realistic. And for the uh, players and parents that are thinking, if my daughter can't play at Oklahoma or UCLA, she's not playing anywhere, we need to check ourselves a little bit. I was going to say, that's an interesting number story right there. Yeah, it's cool. It's definitely a, an eye-opener every time you see it. So, Don, our listener question this week uh, kind of tags along with something that we've talked about recently. We'll keep this one as Andy Anonymous, but Andy Anonymous says, my daughter made the first team she tried out for, but she still wants to try out for several more teams before she makes up her mind. How should we handle this? Tori, that gets a little bit tricky because we don't want uh, for that to be read dif- in a bad way on the group that has already offered, right? Right. That's the risk that we have the longer that we have this interest in shopping around. So I think it's not a bad thing for us to really get a grasp on what's out there right. as well. And, you know, to present that as a, as a positive thing for the team that has already offered, I think is important in communication. We always talk about that, right. but... You know, just talking about that and saying, hey, we're really fresh to this whole search. And, uh, you know, we just want to make sure that we, or say we've promised a couple of groups that we would come out and work out with them. We really like what you're doing and we sure appreciate the offer. And um, we're going to do our best to get back to you as soon as we can. Do you have a timeline that we need to try and be respectful of? And, you know, just... Being up front like that, I think right. is going to go a long ways. But Well, Don, I think you touched on all the key points I would have touched on. One is uh, being appreciative of the offer, making sure that everybody knows that uh, you're honored and excited about that as a, as a possibility. Honest and, and communication so that you're telling everybody involved exactly what's going on. And then you're know, asking you know, the, the questions you need to ask so that you can make a decision in a timely manner that allows you to still have the best opportunities you possibly can for your, your daughter as a player and, and your family in their yeah. you know, upcoming softball journey. thing that I think uh, happens so often with this whole process, and, and it's become so much more exaggerated now, we talked about this a little bit ago, that so many teams are doing tryouts earlier and earlier and earlier that making an offer to a player and expecting them to make a decision and hopefully you know, pinning them down to your team early on in this process is kind of an unrealistic expectation anymore. Now, I think it's a, I understand why it happens because if you can get a great player to commit to your team before she even knows what her other options are, you might get a better player. It's so interesting though, Tori, because we used to play the same role in college recruiting kids and we didn't want to be the insurance policy, right? right? If you don't get this other thing, then we're the fallback plan. I don't want to be the fallback plan either. Right. 
Well, and, so, and, I, and I think that there's a lot of uh, similarities to the to the two yeah. situations. So, and I think what the team who has already offered your daughter a spot is probably going to say is, well, we can't wait forever, so we need to know by which is legit because yeah. they have to pass that right. opportunity to the next one. And so I think that again, that's where the honesty and the being direct about it is is very important. The absolute worst thing you can do, and I would say this with you know gigantic red letters and exclamation points and stars and fireworks going off around it, is the idea of keeping it a secret, trying to play it close to the vest, acting like you're trying to sell a used car, you know, trying to keep uh, you know something you know just to you um, and not sharing it with any of the other people involved is a really really bad strategy. It's going to create all kinds of bad feelings. It's going to give you a really bad reputation. It's going to make you look really bad in the community. And it's really unfair to the teams that you're leading on or or making believe is going to be uh, your future home. If your daughter was asked to be on team one and she lets team one think she's going to be on that team, well, they're not going to try to find another player because they think they've got their spot filled. And you're still... And you're still searching still around. All of a sudden, yep. you find a better team, and you know, two weeks, three weeks, a month later, you tell that first team, "Hey, sorry, you know, on second thoughts, I'm not going to come play for you. I'm going someplace else." Well, they might have missed out on an opportunity to fill that spot with another player that would have been a really good fit Solid for them kid. too. Yeah. So, so honesty, directness, you know, asking, you know, the the questions about what the time frame is, and then and understanding that that might mean making some tough choices. But sometimes that's part of how this process lays out. And again, you know, if, if you're tried out for a team already that's expecting you to make a decision before you've had a chance to to look at all your options and make sure that you're making the right choice, yeah, I think that's a little bit sketchy too. I mean, I, I certainly want the best players I can get on my team, but I don't want to trick them into it or force them into it and have them wish later on that they you know had done something different. It makes sense. It's just really tricky timing. And for us, maybe as parents, if we know that you know, our group is aging out or aging apart from another. We have, you know, half of one age and half of another, and we know the team is going to be changing. We should be doing our research on coaching styles and all those things prior to going to the workouts because, you know, if we're doing what we're supposed to do and and we get offered right away, it's kind of tricky or important to be able to answer pretty soon, you know? No, and I think, uh, again, it's, it's just the, the whole, be honest about it, be straightforward about it, do the best you can to make a decision in a timely manner that works for everybody and understand that you might not always get exactly what you want. You might have to speed things up a little bit. You might have to make a decision, uh, hope that you're making the right one without necessarily getting to play all your cards. We're going to have to have recruiting calendars for travel ball now. Yeah. We need, we need dead <laughs> periods and, and everything else. And, all, all that kind of fun stuff. So, but cool. uh, thank you very much. If you have questions, if there's something you want us to talk about, please make sure you email us. You know, as as we said, the same email addresses that we're using for the Player of the Week nominations. Uh, but Coach Don and I want to talk about stuff that you're interested in. So, if you have questions, comments, ideas, topics, it's kind of funny. Our interview with Wayne Ritchie today, right before he reached out to me about being on the podcast, I got a note from one of our listeners saying, "Hey, you guys ought to talk about this." Of course, I didn't know enough about it at that time to really say much, but I thought it was very, he's going to share with everybody. Yeah. Very timely thing. So make sure you reach out to us again, everything fastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. So Don, that's going to take us to this week's edition of pages power play. Hey, you guys, this is going to be such a good one for you. Softball peeps, which I know that you guys are my softball peeps. So as you guys have know, or maybe you don't know, I've been doing these live Instagram views, and just kind of getting into 
the shoes of former athletes, current athletes, coaches, all of the people that have had so much experience and have so much to share, so much wisdom to give. And I brought on a current UW softball player, Riley Holtor, on my Instagram live and did a little interview with her and really just kind of focusing on asking her questions about like what it takes to make something like the Women's College World Series because she um, had, they had an incredible run at the Women's College World Series this last spring. And I really wanted to pick her brain and see what she was thinking about, how she handled the pressure, all of the good stuff. So here's some things that really stuck with me after our conversation. Um, one of the things that she said, my confidence comes from knowing I outworked the opponent. So it came with that preparation. That preparation was key for her. And then she would actually be thinking about that when she stepped into the box or when she stepped onto the field. So that preparation, but also telling herself and reminding herself that she was prepared. She knows that she outworked that competition and that gave her her confidence. That's where her confidence comes from. Another thing that she shared was pleasure over pressure. She like, I get to have this experience. It's almost like a a different way of thinking about gratitude and being grateful. It's like in those moments when she had butterflies at the Women's College World Series, something that UW embraced, a mindset that they embraced was like, that's a pleasure. Like they get, they get to feel those butterflies. It's not rather than letting the pressure crumble them, which I thought was so, so good. Another one, one thing, something that she shared was you have to put your faith in, in a constant, which is Jesus. That as athletes and on an athletic career and journey, there are so many ups and downs. And if you are just living in those ups and downs, it's going to be really hard. And uh, that's something that she does is just puts her faith in that constant in Jesus. And it really helps her through, through that. And it actually, it was like, wow, this is really good um, advice for me today. Because I feel like I'm kind of living in the ups and downs of this new adventure that I'm on in motherhood. So it was a good reminder of me to put my, my faith back in that constant. Um, another thing that a piece of advice that she gave to the girls, um, and athletes that want to continue playing softball at a higher level in college is keep it fun. Just really simply keeping it fun, knowing that this game is supposed to be fun. And as soon as it's not fun, that something needs to shift, something needs to change. So keeping it fun. And I feel like that kind of tied back into like pleasure over pressure. It should be pleasurable. It should be fun. It should be enjoyable. Like getting to play catch with your dad or go getting some extra reps, like have fun with it. It doesn't have to be so serious and intense. You can have fun with it. No matter where you go to play, you are in control of your reactions and responses and your attitude about it. I thought that was so good. That was her last, that was the thing that she wished that she would have known earlier as an athlete. So no matter where you go to play, no matter if that's a different team, when you are trying to choose a college to play at, you are in control of the way that you react and your responses and your attitude about it. No matter the challenges, the struggles that come your way, because there will be challenges and struggles no matter where you go. So I thought these were really great. I hope that you guys took away something as I did. I can't wait to watch Riley continue to thrive and make an impact on this game. If you want to go follow her, she's on Instagram. She's at Riley Holtorf, or you can watch the full interview 
on my Instagram at page tons is my Instagram. Hope to talk to you guys soon. See you around. Um, reach out if you need something and, uh, see you around. And folks, I know I say it all the time, but Paige is a rock star. If you're not taking advantage of her programs, we're definitely missing the boat. Too many of our players are struggling with their confidence. They're struggling with their you know, love of the game. They don't know how to handle the pressure that they're under. And all of Paige's programs are really, really important. Uh, before you, you know, think about anything else, think about if your player's unhappy getting in the car, if she's not uh, excited about playing ball every day, you might want to look at some of these other options uh, to help change that and, and hopefully uh, get her back on the right out. track. And then, Don, that's also going to take us to this week's edition of the DR3 Fast Pitch Pitching Question. Hey, everybody. Coach D here at DR3 Fast Pitch, answering one of the pitching questions that was submitted to fastpitchprep at gmail.com. So this week's question is from Quentin. Hey, Coach D, what are your thoughts and opinions on travel ball versus school ball? So, Quentin, that's a great question, and it's a broad question. So... When it comes to like my thoughts and opinions, right away, the first thing that comes to my brain is if you want to go play at the college level, you have to be playing in travel ball. And travel ball is where they have the showcase tournaments. That's where you're going to have college coaches connected. Travel ball coaches are typically more skill set, have a higher like skill set IQ of the game than some high school ball coaches. Um, and that's no bash on high school ball coaches. Okay. There's amazing high school ball coaches out there. I know a lot of amazing high school ball coaches, but you have to think this is not their full-time job. And most travel ball coaches, it's not their full-time either. And so they're, as far as developing the game and evolving and learning and growing in the high school ball world, I see a lot of people still doing some things that they might have taught 20 years ago and times have changed. Um, so there's a lot more old school stuff I see at the high school ball level. And again, that's not everybody. This is just from the majority of kind of situations that I've been a part of helping, mentoring, etc. Now, playing competitively in the suburbs of Atlanta, high school ball competition, I mean, there is very few teams that we just blew past. Um, I mean, some teams were stronger than others, but for the most part, there are travel ball level girls on like high school ball teams around here. For instance, my Junior year of high school, we had eight girls going to play at the college level between JUCO all the way to D1. So that being said, I mean, there's some high school ball programs that are really advanced and there's some that are extremely behind and have like the volleyball coach helping out and coaching softball. And that's the thing, being a teacher. So I have two teaching degrees um, in special education. And one of the biggest things, like if I was working in the school system right now, they know I was a college athlete principals instantly want me or want anybody who knows sports that's played sports um, to coach the sports teams and like I've had a job offering of being the lacrosse coach and the swim coach well I've never swam competitively and I never played lacrosse and so I'm like okay like I have no business being the coach but they were trying to fill that spot and sometimes that happens in like the softball world as well when it comes to coaches so it really depends on like the area that you're in when it comes to having like a strong high school ball team. I know some private schools like recruit girls for to play softball. I'm not going to say if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but high school is not nearly as competitive. It's just not. You get a lot of reps. You get a little sneak peek into the college world. And by sneak peek, I mean a very small sneak peek of being in school for eight hours a day and going to practice for three hours right after that, balancing your schoolwork with all the games and the practices with a short but quick and fast season. So I think high school ball season goes by very quickly. 
just because of how much that you're doing. Travel ball, it's, kind of, it's a longer season. You have more time to prepare for it. It's not like rushed as far as like practices and tournaments. I feel like there's just more time because it's year long. High school season, you get three to four months, whereas travel ball, you have 12 months of the year working with that team for the most part, maybe nine to 12 months, depending on kind of what level if y'all practice throughout the fall and the spring and the winter season. Travel ball is going to be more competitive. There's different levels of travel ball, just as there's different levels of high school ball. Now, if you live in a small little rural area in the middle of nowhere, you're less likely going to have a big competitive high school like softball team. And that even goes for other sports teams as well. And I'm saying that because you can't pick your players. You're stuck with who comes to tryouts. You're stuck with who lives in your area. So coaches are stuck with players as much as players are kind of stuck with coaches in that situation. You can't really pick your team, pick your program, pick your coach, pick your school, pick your teammates. We're in travel ball that you can. You try out for teams, etc. So speaking as a former college athlete, I will tell you this. If you are in high school and you want to play at the college level and you decide not to play high school ball season, it's not the best look for college coaches. Now, do I know some really, really, really bad high school ball coaches and not just like bad coaches, but like bad, I mean, yeah, like I've seen situations like that. Now, do I understand how the mental game can really destroy you? Yes, I've been there, done that at the college level. So that being said, I feel both sides, but speaking from like a college coach perspective, and this is something that I actually learned from Coach Tory because he was recruiting me back um, at KSU when I was in high school. I mean, his opinion, I'd love for him to speak on this as well. Like you got to be able to deal with facing your high school ball coaches, like even if they're horrible, like you have to push through that. Otherwise, it's just like not a good look for college coaches. If you can't handle what your high school ball coach is doing and treating you, then you're not going to be able to handle it at the college level. And I get it. Some high school ball coaches, like the softball IQ, might not kind of be where yours is at in the travel ball world. Everybody might not be on your same skill set. But this is the, that's the time of the year where you can really evolve yourself a little bit more, get out of your comfort zone, maybe learn a new position, be an athlete, not just a pitcher, be an athlete, not just a catcher, um, doing what you have to do to help your team out. So. There's pros and cons to being in like a situation like that. And I understand like if things are just really bad mental health wise and you just can't handle kind of like what your high school program is about or your coaches. I mean, that's just something to really just talk to your future college coaches about. But at the end of the day, it's just not the best look. So that's my opinion. If you can fight through high school ball and get through situations, if you're not having the best time, that's just going to be better for you in the long run. You might learn what not to do. I've been in plenty of situations where I've had coaches kind of teach me what not to do, but that has made me the person who I am today and has made me grow my business the way that I have today because I learned how not to make you feel. I learned how not to treat you. I learned how not to coach you. So like, I don't do those things within my company, with my business. So there are life lessons that at the time when I was 15, 16, 17 years old, I had no idea about. But they ended up being life lessons, and I'm very thankful for those situations. So push through the adversity, but you're going to have adversity in either situation. Just know travel ball is going to be more competitive. You get to choose your team. You get to choose your coaches. You kind of get to choose your players. High school ball, you don't. 
but you can utilize that time to focus more on getting out of your comfort zone, developing better as an overall athlete, not just an overall certain position player. You can work on your mental game a lot more in high school season. You can work on your leadership skills in high school ball season and carry that over with you into travel. Now, the one downside about high school season is because it's so quick, like for Georgia, for instance, they play travel ball from, let's just say, February, game start, all the way to the very last week of July, and then the first week of August, high school starts. So there's like no break, no downtime. And the month of July is hectic for elite level travel ball players. And then you get into August, you're kind of burnt out. And so what I see happen a lot down here is the girls are exhausted of their little week or their mechanics kind of fall apart a little bit just because they don't have as much time to train because they're playing so much. That's what I think the downside of high school ball is a little bit. And I know some coaches don't allow you to go to your hitting lesson or don't allow you to go to your pitching lesson or don't allow you to skip out like to skip a practice to go to a travel ball practice. So like I see like there's pros and cons to all of that. But at the end of the day, like high school is not where you're going to get recruited. And a lot of high school ball coaches don't really help out with the recruiting process. And I'm speaking that based on my own experience and based on a lot of mental training calls I do with girls from all over the country. So again, I just haven't experienced that. I'm not saying that they're not there. I know they are out there and I know some coaches can really help with that. But, I mean, that's kind of more what the travel ball world is for. It's just more advanced. It's more IQ is up to speed. Pick out the competition that you want to play with, play against. It's just more your decision or high school ball, it's not. You're kind of stuck with what you're stuck with, um, and you can make the best of the best with that. So I hope I answered this question as best as I can. Again, it's a broad question. My thoughts and opinions kind of change based on the situation. So if I knew there was more of, like, of a background story, or background information with this, like my opinion might be a little different or my thoughts might be different, but just broad based off kind of my own experience and based off um, a lot of these mental training calls and conversations that I have with coaches and players around the country. That's kind of where I'm bringing this to. But again, thank you for sending in this question. Keep submitting your questions to fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Make sure that you are following me on all social media platforms. Instagram is my biggest at dr3fastpitch. Check out my website under dr3fastpitchu, dr3fastpitch.com, but dr3fastpitchu, which is my university. I have a lot of free resources on there. I'll be dropping some more stuff soon. Make sure you subscribe to my email list. That's where I send out random discounts and updates and camps and clinics, etc. So subscribe to that and keep sending your questions in. I love answering them. Hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. All right, Don. So our leadoff segment is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite's located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. The phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at EliteSportsOrders at Yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, balls, uniforms, spirit wear, all that stuff, they've got it. Uh, They can get it for you. They can create almost anything, and they're happy to ship it anywhere in the country. So contact the folks at Elite if you have any needs at all. So Don is really excited I had a chance to uh, talk with Wayne Ritchie earlier today. He is involved with the American Collegiate League. Um, He's going to tell you the story about the league, the affiliate that that just started in Carolina. And it's a very exciting concept, something that I'm really excited to share. Yeah, Yeah, really excited to share with our listeners. So here's our interview with Wayne Ritchie. We're uh, very excited to have uh, Wayne Ritchie with us today for the podcast. He's going to uh, share a great deal of insight with us about the American Collegiate League, something that uh, um, has been 
uh, a hot topic of discussion, and we wanted to go right to the horse's mouth. But uh, Wayne, before we get into the uh, uh, league itself, why don't you give us a little bit about your background, how you got to uh, become involved in uh, the game of fast pitch so so deeply? So thanks, Tori. I appreciate the uh, invite. Uh, truly honored to be on the podcast today. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. So uh, my road into fast pitch is uh, a road with a few curves in it. But uh, to give you the shortened version, grew up as a sports guy, played baseball, football, basketball growing up, all three sports in high school, got the opportunity to play college baseball as well. At a small school there in Atlanta called Atlanta Christian College, now referred to as Point University. They moved down to the uh, Georgia-Alabama line. But uh, my road into fast pitch really starts with my mom and dad as umpires. So as I was growing up, my mom and dad were big umpires and referees in baseball and softball and, and basketball. So from the time I could be old enough to, to start keeping score, I started doing that. And then when I got old enough, I started actually umpiring. So I started at the, uh, the T-ball level there when I was about 14, 15 years old, moved into baseball and into basketball doing that. And then my dad got big into uh, fast pitch softball. So I gave that a try as an umpire as well. Kind of started to fall in love with the game there. A lot more faster pace, a lot more things happening during uh, during the game than a baseball game. And the big thing was I was getting paid about the same amount as a baseball game, but going much shorter. <laughs> so uh, so work, worked my way up through the rec levels into the travel ball level as an umpire. Then into the high school levels, I actually got an opportunity as a as a young guy to call some uh, state playoff games there in the in the state of Georgia, and then uh, got invited to um, a college umpires association and got the opportunity before I left umpiring and joined the military to call some ACC games uh, there at Georgia Tech. Cool. It's kind of funny because I think all of us uh, get to the point where we love this game on a different path and uh um it's it's always exciting to me to see uh people getting involved with the game and 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 sticking with it and finding ways to to continue to help it grow and that was really why why I was very interested in the whole American Collegiate League and the minor league softball idea it's something that I had heard discussed in the past but I hadn't really seen much done with it until the uh, Florida Gulf League started a couple of years ago and now obviously it's this idea is is growing and expanding. So why don't you tell us how it started and, and kind of where we're going? Yeah, so Ryan Moore is the uh, owner and operator for the American Collegiate League. Um, he's also, uh, also the owner and operator for the Florida Gulf Coast League as well. So Ryan's story is uh, he's a baseball guy as well and uh, has a son uh, that played uh, some juco ball and then uh, just ended his career with the Colorado Rockies. Ryan and his wife were sitting down one day at a uh, at a softball game, and Ryan's wife kind of looked at him and said, "Hey, is there anything softball wise summer league?" So Ryan went back and did some quick research into that, and then came back to his wife uh, a day later and said, "Hey, we own a uh, summer softball league now." That occurred back in 2020 right around the the time of covid and uh, and ever since then the uh, the Florida Gulf Coast League was born underneath the ACL and they just finished up their uh, their fourth season down there in Braden Sarasota Florida area 
Well, I know a couple of players that uh, I know very well played in that inaugural season of the league and, and really enjoyed it. I think it was a great thing for them for their uh, development as players and uh, kind of reignited their love for the game a little bit. So I was very excited to see the uh, opportunities starting to be developed for the collegiate players during the summer. So why don't you give us a little bit of the the background about uh, how that first inaugural season went and, and kind of how it's grown now into where it's uh, growing into new areas. Yeah, so um, obviously 2020, that uh, just as COVID's really starting to, to kick into gear, the uh, the ladies didn't have a great opportunity to finish out that college season there. So really, it was born out of necessity more than anything. And these ladies, you know, trying to get some on the field experience and playing the game that they love. So it just kind of shot off from there. And then the the great job with Brian and his team down at the Florida Gulf Coast League and what they've done and created the experience for the ladies down there has just exploded the league from that point. For me specifically, you know, I got the opportunity when I was in college to play college baseball. And then I had started to look, uh, I've got a, a young daughter that's big into the game of softball right now. And, uh, and I started to look and see what opportunities are out there as she gets older and as she goes into high school and, you know, hopefully on to college one day. And it's just by happenstance, I, I heard a podcast where Ryan was featured on and the ACL and the Florida Gulf Coast League was, was featured and gave him a call and said, hey, can you tell me more about this thing? I'd love to be a part of it. And now comes the birth of the Carolina Patriot Collegiate League, which was just announced uh, earlier uh, in the week. Uh, that's where the fourth affiliate for the ACL. We've got the Music City League that's uh, out of Nashville. It actually plays in uh, Clarksville, uh, Tennessee, which is right next to Port Campbell, right. uh, Kentucky. So they just completed their inaugural summer season with great success up there in, in Clarksville and Nashville. Then back in late June, the Golden Bay Collegiate League was announced as the third affiliate. And then again, um, the Carolina Patriot Collegiate League, um, which I own and run, is the fourth affiliate. And, and the growth is just booming at this point with the, with the women's uh, game, especially in college just giving them the opportunity to continue to hone hone their skills and their craft uh, in the summertime, much like the uh, the boys get that opportunity. Right. So let's uh, uh, take a step back just in case uh, I, I jumped ahead a little bit too quickly to give our listeners a little bit of context. Basically, what you have created is a summer league type program for collegiate players. So players that are already in college have begun their college career, a way for them to keep playing during the quote-unquote off-season, gain more experience, maybe get some more time on the field, uh, maybe coming back from an injury, whatever their circumstances might be. But it's basically um, sort of like we all grew up with the Cape Cod League and some of those kinds of things for baseball. It sounds like the ACL is trying to create that same, I guess, environment for the collegiate softball players as well. Absolutely. That is the 100% path um, that we're taking with the uh, the women's college game. You know, you brought up the Cape Cod League, you know, Ryan's League down there in the uh, Florida Gulf Coast has been kind of nicknamed the uh, the Cape Cod of the women's summer leagues. Um, but he will tell you that that's not his intent by any means. The intent is to have all the affiliates 
to uh, to have players from across the country, um, and, and we're not talking just uh, Power Five, Division One uh, ladies. You know, there there are a number of Division Two, II, Division Three, NAI, and even some JUCO ladies that are playing in these leagues across the country. Right. Well, the one thing that really struck a nerve for me is one of the players that I know that played in that inaugural season in Florida was a, a player that had not gotten a chance to play very much during her freshman season in, in her in her college program and really felt like she had fallen behind because, you know, just practicing without getting to play in games had her feeling like she was a little bit under uh, underprepared to head back to try to compete for more playing time as a sophomore. And when she found out about the Florida League, she was super excited, had a chance to go and uh, you know get a bunch of at-bats boost on her confidence because she had you know, an opportunity to get out on the field and, and play at a high level, and, and she really enjoyed it. So it seems to me that it's definitely going to be a big thing for a player like that that uh, that maybe feels like they need to boost their uh, experience level or, or get a chance to, to get some more at-bats and get some time on the field. Yeah, that's definitely uh, one of the intentions uh, for all of the four affiliates that are out there, you know, uh, a lady that's uh, been redshirted or, or, as you mentioned, coming off of injury or, or just may not have had as many reps at, at, at bats or some time in the field, for them to get those reps in that time during the summer to be prepared to go back to college and compete for that starting job. But I will tell you that this past year down in the Florida Gulf Coast League, there was 12 girls that, that were down there playing this past summer that were in the championship series for the World Series. Um, and then a number more that were in the World Series itself there. But, uh, yeah, absolutely the opportunity there for for the ladies to come out, those that didn't uh, get those opportunities uh, during the season, and continue to develop and hone their craft and continue to get the experience they need to go back and, like you said, compete for that starting job their their sophomore year. Gotcha. So then uh, are there any limitations on like how many players from uh, each specific school could be on a team or do they have to be uh, distributed throughout the league? Is, are there any kind of uh, regulations regarding that? Yeah, absolutely. We want to provide a fair playing field across the board. You know, just to give you a couple of examples, you know, you can't have more than two ladies from a power five school, division one power five school on one team. We try to limit the number of girls from the same team on each of the teams there, you know, so you don't have five girls from the University of North Carolina or four girls from Florida State on one team. Um, so, again, we, we level that playing field that way. And it, it what it really does more than anything for the ladies, we've we've heard numbers of compliments um, from the girls playing in the leagues is that, you know, they enjoy spending time with girls that weren't on their team, you know, getting to know new girls and, and maybe even rekindling relationships from their travel ball days out there as well. Um, now, how do uh, players uh, apply to uh, participate in the league? How, what's that process? So open registration will start uh, September 1st for the 2024 season. They will go to the American Collegiate League uh, website, and there's, a, there's an app out there as well. They click on the icon. Uh, for each one of the leagues, each one of the leagues has their own icon and logo, and it'll take them directly to a sign-up sheet there. They'll fill out their information um, specific to the affiliate that they want to play in, and that'll come directly to that league owner, affiliate owner, and then we'll we'll start the uh, the process from from that point. 
And is there uh, any um, restrictions on uh, uh, where they are in their collegiate careers that, uh, you know, freshmen only, freshmen, sophomores, or can it be anybody that still has collegiate eligibility, uh, any, any kind of uh, guidelines along those in, in that area? No restriction, uh, freshmen through juniors, upcoming, rising into their uh, their senior year. You could be a you could be a super senior. That doesn't matter um, across the board, and even uh, to the point of where a rising graduated uh, high school senior that has signed a letter of intent um, and wants to go ahead and get some experience uh, playing against the college ladies uh, can apply as well, um, and that's a great opportunity for those young ladies that are trying to get a leg up ahead as they move into their freshman uh, season to the university that they're headed to. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I was not aware of that because one of the things that uh, I've always felt uh, for the college player, they were always uh, struggling to find ways once they've started their college career to have the on-field experience, the, the, the game reps from freshman to sophomore, sophomore to junior years uh, that they were so used to having in travel ball. Um, you know, the, the freshmen coming in or coming right off of their travel ball season. And they, you know, they're, they're all razor sharp from having just played in the national championships or whatever it is. And then, uh, you know, for the current college players to feel like they're, they have an opportunity to even that playing field a little bit more and make sure that they feel a little bit more prepared heading into their upcoming season, I think is a really exciting thing. Do you have many of the uh, high school graduates uh, that have not started yet? Have, have we had many of those kids playing yet, or is it just a, uh, something we're waiting to see how it goes? We're kind of waiting to see how that goes. Um, I think there has been a couple, um, not not a tremendous amount, because obvi- for the obvious reasons that you just stated, that a lot of those ladies are, are still participating with their uh, travel teams. You know, they're competing at the national level and in, in working through their summer in, in that direction. To go back to your point of where college ladies don't are getting the opportunities to continue to develop and hone their craft. And, uh, you know, a, a great example is, not only a lady that you know, may not have had the reps or may not have or been injured or redshirted or whatever it may be, is the you know one that has been super successful and just wants to continue on that hot streak, right? Doesn't want to you know take that time off and continue to improve on her skill set and, and go right back into the fall, you know, riding that high again and um, instead of taking all that that time off there. The way that the season itself works, we work from right around June 15th and we go through July 15th, they play 25 games uh, during that time frame in, in each one of the affiliates. Um, so there's a number of at-bats that they get uh, during that time frame, a, a good bit of time on the, on the field as well. Defensively, you know, catchers and pitchers are getting opportunities to, to work. You know, pitchers are getting opportunities to, to continue to throw and throw against live competition there so it it really just works all around for these ladies as they uh, prepare and continue on with their college careers yeah well i've I've known many many players that would have loved the opportunity to get in 25 games in the summer to keep their game sharp and to feel like they were really ready to go when they went back to school in the fall i really do appreciate wayne's uh, uh insight into what's going on with the acl and with the carolina patriot league um, we're looking forward to uh, part two of his interview next week, and uh, he'll finish telling you the story. And um, again, for all of our collegiate players um, that are looking for a way to continue to develop their skills or to get some more reps or to keep their game sharp active, over the summer, yeah. this is a, a godsend. I know it's something that when I was coaching, I would have given anything to have. 
you know, because so many of the players that we had needed that extra time, you know, they hadn't played quite as much or whatever during the spring season as we wished they had. And so that time, uh, in the summer league would have been a really big deal for them. So, so again, thanks to Wayne and uh, we'll look forward to part two next week. Don, our cleanup topic is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com and they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. And again, take advantage of that EFP10 discount. It's a great way for you to save an additional 10% on your order and also help support the podcast at the same time. So Don, had an experience this week, and it really made me wonder. My first reaction when I heard this and my first thought when I heard it was kind of the old man out there screaming at the clouds, get off my lawn kind of reaction that I have about a lot of stuff that happens. But then sure. the more I thought about it, kind of had this epiphany kind of thing, wondering, have things changed so much that those of us in the coaching world really need to take a hard look at what we expect or what we think? Are, are our ideas still relevant and effective for the modern player? or not. So let me ask you this question. If your daughter came home and said, Hey, you know, dad, we got this brand new coach, you know, new coach coming in. Uh, and she seems really enthusiastic. You know, she's doing a lot of different things this summer. Again, just make sure everybody understands. So our Georgia kids start their high school season. They've got games now, like in seven days, eight days from when we're recording this podcast. So it's just around the corner, but if your daughter came home talking about, we're going to be doing all these uh, team building activities, we're going on a retreat, you know, she's having a couple of team dinners, we're going to do some stuff to really get to know each other and to all get on the same page to you know, really build that cohesive unit, you know, that team bond that we really want to have, what would your reaction be? Well, I think I would be open to it. I know uh, those things sound like good things to me. So right. It sounds like a positive environment for uh, a softball unit. Yeah. Well, that that's yeah. kind of what I think all of us old coaches are thinking. And you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about team building and mental training and all these different things that, you know, glue you know, the, to glue it all together. Right. The, yeah. the, the great years that we've had as coaches talking about how those teams just all fit together. It was like a, a big family. Everybody got along, everybody, you know, pulled in the same direction. When the going got tough, they figured out a way to work together. All those kinds of things. We, we learn things about other people that we might not learn just at practice. Right. And that, makes us endear them. Right. And that yeah. unifying thread is what helped make some of those successes. Yeah. In my way of thinking, if my daughter came home and was talking about a coach who was enthusiastic enough and excited enough and, and, and stoked enough about trying to build a great program, that they were investing all this time and effort and all this energy into trying to do these things, I would be very excited as a parent also thinking, you know, to my old school way of thinking, well, if you want to have a great team, you got to build a team, you know, you got to do all this stuff. Well, 
All I can say is my impression of how great I think it is and and your impression of how great it could be and and our old school idea of how you can't have a great team without having a team that really cares about each other was really questioned by the fact that a couple of players that I know that are on this team could not be any more put out and angry and frustrated that they have to go do these things you know, that the coach had a team dinner and asked them to leave their phones at the door so they actually had to talk to each other while they were there for this team dinner. You would have thought that they were getting sentenced to a death sentence at, at uh, some maximum security prison. Total, total punishment. Like, I can't believe we have to do this team building stuff. You know, I mean, I couldn't even look at my phone for two whole hours. And it made me wonder, because... These are two kids that, you know, when they show like up to work test, for, yeah, yeah, but when they show up for lessons, when they show up to work with me, when they talk about the game, every in, impression they leave, everything they say, everything that they do says they really want to be good softball players. But are we so out of touch with what it takes to be a team now, or is our expectation so out of touch with what these kids think that the idea of asking them to not look at their phone for two whole hours makes the whole team building concept something that they're not even, they, they don't even regret having to do it. They're angry that they have to do it. They're, they're not seeing it as an opportunity to build a good team. They're seeing it as how dare you waste my time with this stuff. Well, Tori too, I think that uh, often human nature is to kind of just get by or just do enough to get by. And uh, this is one of those things that, is maybe over and above what everyone else is having to do right. to, to make it all happen. Okay. And, and they're looking to figure out, I know I want this stuff. I want to be a great player. I want to be on a good team. I want to be all these things. But how little do I, or can I get away with doing to, to have what I want? Right. And this is, one of, this is that borderline thing. It's like, you mean I have to do this to get what I want? And well, that's but, an imposition. And, yeah. Well, yeah, well, and we as older coaches, I think, are having to experience both because right. we, we know what the other side of it, the benefits are. And, and here's the only thing I will say is, is one of the two players has talked to me several times about how they were so excited about the coaching change because, you know, their old coach never really, you know, did, did any of this of these, kind of stuff. Yeah, never. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how jealous they were of friends of theirs they have that are on teams where the teams all love each other and they all get along and they all can't wait to, to, for the school ball season another. to get here and they yeah. all go rafting or camping or you know cookouts or whatever it is. So the same kids that know that that's part of the reason why other teams have been successful also are smart enough to know that it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah can then just that instantaneously flip the switch and think that it's such an imposition, such a, a hardship to actually do any of this stuff. And, and again, I mean, I know I'm old, but the idea of hanging out with my people that are supposed to be my friends for a couple of hours at a cookout. When we have lots in common. When we have lots to talk about and lots of stuff going on and practices and, and stuff that happens that's kind of funny that we can tell stories about and, and ch you know cut up about and give each other a hard time about. To think that for two whole hours that I couldn't find something in that to be excited about or in, in, enjoy. And to me, it was just really kind of a kick in the solar plexus to have to... Um, think that are we so out of touch now that 
all these things that you know, that we think are cool that we would love for our kids to get to experience or that we tried to do for teams when we coached them. I mean, who's right? Who's wrong? The old guys are always right, Tori, aren't we? All right. So Don Stan raises a good point how, um, you know, one of the things that I guess us old guys have lost touch with is that the phone has become such a key component of these players' of lives. That, that, but here's the thing that I've seen this happen in person. And this is part of, I guess, maybe where I'm just having a hard time understanding this whole thing. I've seen two kids sitting in a restaurant texting each other versus talking to each other. Sure. Across the table. Like you and I are, yeah. are you know, three feet away from each other right now that I could text you, Don, what do you think about this topic? Or I could say, hey, Don, what do you think about this topic? What do you think about the Braves? Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and unfortunately, it seems like that, that's something that I don't know what the answer is. And I don't know, you know whether it's just the old fashioned, old school nature of it. But to me... The idea of team building and having some sort of connection, if we can't put the phones down for a couple of hours, I think we're in real trouble for whether or not we're going to ever build teams that are going to be really successful. Now, we might win a bunch of games Somebody. if we've got a great pitcher. Yeah. But if we don't have a great pitcher and we've got to be able to count on people pulling together and 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 grinding when the grinding gets hard, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. I was going to say, and somebody's going to win the last game of the scheduled tournament, of the conference tournament, of the travel ball tournament, whatever, but you know, will it be those groups that are willing to do the extra things like you're talking about right now? And I like right. the check the phone at the door thing. Yeah. Maybe well, at the dugout too, right? Well, I'm, I'm hoping they're <laughs> checking them at the dugout, but evidently, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> e- evidently they're, that's not the, that's not are, the norm anymore. They are in the dugout. Yeah. So the so earbud that, and one earbud is in so that they can hear out of the other one. If the shortstop and the left fielder almost run into each other, instead of them talking about it, one's going to get on on Twitter and tweet about tweet about how mad she is at the other one because they didn't catch that ball. What are you arguing in the dugout uh, about? Because yeah. I saw your tweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know, but it just really made me wonder if if I, if I just have to adjust what I'm thinking about how to coach, how to coach. Yeah, and and if what yeah. I've always thought about things that are important to having successful teams, is it so out of touch that it's just not that important anymore? Do I need to move on to, we need more technical training. We need more other stuff. Do I need to get a course in how to manage the modern athlete where they don't talk to each other, but they text each other or message each other, how to use messaging and texting as an effective tool for team building? I don't know what the where this is going i think all your topics right there are good tori but but this whole thing really hit me like you know like i said i I was like almost like sick to my stomach thinking about you have a coach that cares enough to do all this extra stuff for you and you're mad about it because you couldn't have your phone right i mean i would have been like overjoyed and if (laughs) if she was my daughter and came home complaining about she didn't get to have her phone for two hours i might have taken her phone away for two weeks two days yeah I mean, I guess that just you know tells you how how out of touch I am. But it's just to me, it's it's something I wanted us to talk about. I think we can come back and revisit this. And I would love to hear from listeners that are having these same kind of experiences, whether it's your kid or the kids on your team, because I'm not liking it. No, we we've created a different uh, a different mindset for sure, Torian, and it's been so gradual that I think that we've kind of been dis connected from it yeah lulled into us yeah uh, i mean it happens so slow and slow so gradual but yeah i think that we need to put some parameters on it and try and reel it it back in stan mentioned that 
COVID didn't help any of it because it isolated everybody. Right. And now we're trying to pull back out of that, that scenario. Okay. But if I didn't get to talk to a human being for a month. I know. And I saw a uh, human being. I would want to talk go to talk a human to being. I no. wouldn't want to text them from 10 feet away. Again, I think human nature too is to be a little bit shy and reserved and all those things. And those phones really allow us to um, have that, that guard or it gives us that buffer. Right? Uh, listeners, <laughs> chime in. Um, I, I want, let, let I want feedback. Know. Where I are want, we at? I want feedback. Where are we at? Because I'm okay with knowing I don't know everything, but I want to have some idea of what a strategy might be moving forward so that when um, I'm dealing with kids that are unhappy because their coaches are really trying to do things that I think are great, lim- I, I know why it's not great. You're limiting my, my time on the phone, on the device. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and this is the kind of crazy thing, you know, how your smartphone will tell you what you're averaging on screen, you sure. know, on the phone every, time, every day. Yeah. And even somebody like myself, I don't think I'm on the phone that much. And, and then, then I look at that, like, like, dang, I'm on the phone a lot. You get that. Yeah. And, that and I can remember when, alarm. you know, when I first got the cell phone and would be driving in the truck and somebody would call and how mad I would get, cause I wanted to just have some peace and quiet. So I guess it's just all part of this evolution. I like when the phone it says you're down, your time is down a little bit. You're like, oh, I did good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think many of our of our young people are seeing the if that number goes down, that that's a good thing. It's not like they're ERA, right? <laughs> so, all right, Don. So that's going to take us to our action coach coaching tip of the week. This week, I want us to talk about something that I've noticed a little bit more and more here in this last couple of years. And one of the things that I've seen a bunch of videos, I think, in the last two or three weeks on Facebook and YouTube, and the basic premise of what we're seeing is the really fast, aggressive base runner who dares the team, the defense into trying to make a play. And because the team that they're daring isn't very good at defense, you know, all of a sudden that sixth or seventh or eighth or 10th throw in the rundown gets thrown away in the run scores. Sure. And that the reaction and the way people are are talking about those videos and what they're seeing like oh my gosh isn't that amazing base running isn't that amazing aggressiveness i wanted us to talk about it cuz here's my impression yes at certain points in time for certain players the idea of running the bases like a crazy person is an amazingly positive strategy as long as as they get older they're aggressiveness and their craziness and their blind faith in themselves being able to get out of any mess that they get into. We're hoping they gain some wisdom. Yeah. yeah, Adjusts a little bit (laughs) because what I, what I've seen a little bit now are some of those same players that in eight and under or 10 and under were safe every time. All of a sudden now, as they move up a little bit, they're safe a lot less and they move up a little bit more, and they're never safe at all. They're still trying it. They're still trying it because yeah. that's you know their their whole game was you're running the bases like crazy to try to put pressure on the defense. And don't get me wrong, there's a time and a place for putting pressure on the defense, but there's also a time and place for having a, an understanding that the defense has has gotten to the point now where it can't be the only thing I'm good at. Right. And I think that was kind of the point I want us to bring up is that if that's our only offensive strategy we're definitely going to run into some problems. Yeah, no, we've got to be able to hit and catch and do it all, right? And, uh, you know, getting angles when we're running and, you know, as we approach the bag, creating a good angle because I'm running every time, I think is a good thing for a while. But at some point, like you said, it might be nice to say, uh, you know, we don't advance on overthrows, you know, and we're going to play, we're going to show you how to uh, work on force outs and different things like that. Right. 
be able to tag from third base because you're still at third base because you didn't round it and just score because everybody couldn't do the other pieces right. Right. And uh, yeah, so it's interesting to watch. It's a good analogy. Yeah, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I think, you know, that being aggressive is good. But that being our only Tactical. only our only yeah. strategy, our only tactic to me is a is a bad idea. If we're talking ourselves into thinking we've got a great offensive team because we get walked and then we steal, steal, get into a, a rundown and score because the you know the other team throws the ball away. To me, that's not a effective strategy for long term success. It's going to work in stretches. It's going to work against certain teams, but it's not going to work. Um, as we get older, as we get better, as we work our way up the food chain and start playing more talented, more it's not the long game. Yeah, it's 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 definitely not the long term <laughs> solution to uh, having a successful program. Yep, got to keep them keep them doing the little things. All righty, so Don, that's going to wrap up number two seventy seven. Uh, please make sure you support all of our sponsors: the Anderson Bat Company, Bidinger and Styles, DDS, Elite Sporting Goods, Pinnacle Power Butter, and Action Coach. Again, make sure that you become a patron if you can. Go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. Uh, get your square cuts training discs ordered by going to the fastpitchprep.com website. Order them up. We'll get them sent to you. Again, they're $49.95 a dozen. And as always, if you have questions, comments, suggestions, and all of you are going to nominate a player of the week this week. Just do it. Send us that nomination uh, to everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com because Coach Don and I want to talk about the stuff that you're interested in. As always, spread the word. Make sure you let everybody know about everything fast pitch and coach prep. We want to see the numbers continue to grow. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.